The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Good afternoon, my friends. How are you? Welcome to the Financial Physician Radio Program, where we talk about money, markets, and politics, and they all go together. They certainly do these days, anyway. And, uh, for your phone calls as well, 866-472-5788 is the call number. Actually, that's not the call number. That was the old call number uh, from uh, a variety channel. I'm going to have to get that new number. I don't have it in front of me. All right, uh, let's get started. Let's start talking about markets. Um, we've seen a lot of volatility in the stock market and the bond market the last couple of months. And as I've been saying on this program for uh for a while now that I thought we are heading into phase two of the financial crisis that started in 2008. And I said it never really went away. All we did is kind of kick the can down the street a little bit. The Federal Reserve printed oh, approximately $3 trillion in uh, new, new money and bought up bonds and tried to stimulate the economy and basically just kind of banged along at the bottom here and saw a little bit of improvement in housing, a little bit of improvement in uh, the unemployment rate, but nothing to speak about that, 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 that's meaningful. Uh, you would think that $3 trillion would go a long way, and it really didn't. It probably prevented things from getting worse, yes, uh, but it certainly did not improve uh, the economy. Now there's talk that the Federal Reserve may stop or at least slow down uh, their printing of money and their buying of treasury bonds, and uh, that's got the markets all worked up. And I don't really think it's going to happen. I mean, today it's 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 Wednesday. It's uh, August twenty first. Uh, the the Fed minutes were released this afternoon, and they're saying that they may taper their quantitative easing program. It could happen October. It could happen November. It could happen December. Uh, they're not saying when, because I don't really think they really want to do it. And I think the markets are kind of uh, giving them the heads up that if they do this, if they stop giving us uh, the um, the financial cocaine that we've been used to having, uh, the markets are going to implode. And the most concerning thing uh, is the U.S. Treasury bond market. And I mentioned that on this program for the last four or five weeks that that's what you want to watch. Forget the stock market. The stock market's going to react to the bond market. And right now the bond market is quaking. The 10-year Treasury, which yielded just about 1.5% in May, 
now yields 2.90% here in mid-August. Now think about that. 1.5% to almost 3. That's a 100% increase in interest rates in three months. That is a big move. Now, 3% uh, on a 10-year is historically still low. But we really can't talk in historic terms because uh, the economy, the country's debt, the situation that we're in now is nothing like we've experienced in the past. And there's no way this economy or the banking system can handle much higher rates than we have right now. And my guess is that there's big problems out there in the interest rate derivative market right now as interest rates have moved so rapidly. And that's the big key here is the bond market going down and interest rates going up are triggering interest rate swap movements. Now, what's an interest rate swap? Well, there's a quadrillion dollars worth of derivatives out there. What's a quadrillion? It's a thousand trillion. And a trillion is a thousand billion and a billion is a thousand million and so forth. So there's just an un... Nobody can even picture what a thousand trillion dollars is. But that's how much derivatives are outstanding. And almost half of that is interest rate derivatives. And when you buy an interest rate swap, what you're doing is you're making a contract with another party that if interest rates move up, right, then you're going to pay me a certain amount of money. So the person writing that contract doesn't want interest rates to go up because if it goes up, it costs them money. If interest rates don't go up, they keep that premium. So it's insurance, if you would. Well, who would want to buy this? Well, banks. Banks would want to buy interest rate insurance. And banks would want to sell interest rate insurance as well, as do investment banks. And this goes all around the world. So when we have a move in interest rates like we've seen this summer, there's somebody on the bad side of these trades. And the big concern is that these derivatives that nobody could see could cause an insolvency in the, bank, in the banking system and see credit seize up and see systemic bank failure kind of like we were on the door of uh, in 2008. And there's been a, a lot of signs lately uh, that the financial markets are really entering uh, a, a very, very critical and dangerous time. Now, I mentioned the yield on the 10-year on the U.S. Treasury skyrocketing. That's the number one concern I have right now is, is keep an eye on the 10-year and keep an eye on the bond market. The S&P 500 has been down... 10 of the last 11 trading days. The market just closed down again. Uh, I think that's probably six or seven days in a row. And this was a market that would basically go up every day, regardless of how bad the news is. We see troubling economic uh, news coming in, all, basically all around the world. And I, I have not seen so many different things coming together. Uh, as I haven't uh, since 2008. What we're seeing now is, is very eerily similar to the summer of 2008. And we know how that ended. And the problem now is that the Federal Reserve don't have the same tools they had to battle the crisis when it starts. And again, when it starts again this time, it's going to be multiples worse than the last time. And the Fed just can't continue to print money. They will, but they, they don't want to. Will they let the banking system fail? Probably not, but at what cost? There's a website that I read, uh, the Economic Collapse blog. This guy, I think his name is Michael Schneider, and he's really good at putting together statistics. And I, and I like reading him, and you know, he's one of the guys I read that, that, that helped me to decipher where I think we're going. And here's some of the statistics and some of the things that he's put out 
he just put this out today. He said the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury has risen five of the last six days. And now it's at 290 as we speak. And let me tell you, if we, once we breach 3%, uh, the stock market's going to fall big time. I mean, we're only a tenth of a point away. Rapidly rising interest rates are spooking investors and, calling, uh, and, and causing them to pull money out of bonds at a very rapid play, uh, pace. Investors have yanked nearly $20 billion from bond mutual funds and exchange-traded funds so far in August. So it's August 21st, $20 billion already taken out. That's the fourth highest pullback ever. And in June, investors took out $69 billion, which was the highest on record. So we see a massive sell-off uh, in U.S. Treasuries. And the sell-off in U.S. Treasuries is being led by foreigners, in particular China and Japan. They've been aggressively selling off U.S. bonds. As a matter of fact, um, China and Japan accounted for almost all of the record $41 billion of net foreign selling in U.S. Treasuries in one month. And their sales were part of uh, $67 billion in net sales by foreigners of long-term U.S. securities in June. And that's the fifth straight month of outflows and the largest since August 2007. So we see foreigners, A, not wanting to buy our bonds, which is a problem in of itself because that just leaves the Fed there to buy them. But worse, they're selling them now. So now the Fed's got to buy their bonds, and plus all the other sales that are going through, and plus all the debt that's being issued. It's a terrible situation. And uh, treasury bond funds have been dropping. You, you know, I saw a client today. They had a Ginnie Mae fund. I looked at the last three-month statement. What a drop. And that's what happens when interest rates rise, bond prices drop. Or the other way around. As bond prices drop, interest rates go up. And that's what we're seeing right now is we're seeing bond prices drop, causing interest rates to go up. So many people that have never seen bond prices go down and treasury bond prices and Ginnie Mays and things like that are now seeing it for the first time in many, many years because we had a bull market in treasuries that lasted 20 years, maybe even longer. And now we see that bubble bursting. And this economy cannot handle higher interest rates. I mean, just the debt that we have in the country, just the country's debt, $17 trillion and climbing. Every 1% interest rate, uh, increase in interest rates is $170 billion. That's $170 billion that's not available for other services. Goes right out the door. Just adds to the deficit. Which means we have to issue more bonds and the Fed's got to print more money to buy them. According to a shocking new report, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are masking billions of dollars in losses. Will they need to be bailed out again, just like they were during the financial crisis the first time around? Another disturbing trend, uh, Walmart came out with very disappointing earnings this week. Actually, I think it was late last week. And they said uh, for the second quarter of 2013, sales at stores open at least a year were down uh, three-tenths of one percent. And this is a continuation of a trend that's been building for years. And why is Walmart so important? Because that's where the average American shops. It's where the middle class goes. And the fact that they're pulling back their spending and they're seeing sales down are very troubling. 
U.S. consumer bankruptcies just experienced their largest quarterly increase in three years. And now we're seeing oil prices rise. Oil prices were as high as a hundred and eight dollars a barrel last week. It's come off a little bit. I think it's one hundred three, one hundred four right now. Still, when you have interest rates going up and gasoline and oil prices going up, that's a very, very bad mix for markets in the economy. And now we have all this trouble in in Egypt, uh, threatening um, the free flow of oil, and that's uh, putting a risk premium into oil. European stocks had their biggest decline in six weeks last week. And there's a lot of rumors going around uh, in Europe that Greece needs another bailout, that a number of banks, including Deutsche Bank, the largest bank in Europe, is in trouble. The Japanese national debt, you think ours is bad? Well, they recently crossed the quadrillion yen mark, quadrillion yen, which I think is somewhere in the neighborhood of about $10 trillion. We have 17. They got 10. Much much smaller country. In Indonesia, uh, their stock market's been cratering, as has been the Japanese stock market. And we're seeing um, interest rates run up in India. The 10-year government bond has skyrocketed from 7% in May to 9.25% today. So in the coming months, keep an eye on the too, fa- uh, too big to fail banks, both here in Europe. And keep an eye on the bond market because the bond market is going to control everything and interest rates are going higher. All right, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Financial Physician right here on a Voice America's business channel. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Did you know that at the root of every business problem lies a communication issue? Communication Nation, a show that brings effective business communication practices to the masses, addresses a number of topics and talking points that impact your professional development, as well as business productivity and profitability. Host Jill Schiffelbein makes the theoretical tangible. Tune in each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be ready to become a better communicator with Communication Nation. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment. And that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to the financial physician. And America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you. Call with your questions now at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Once again, here's Lou. Okay, welcome back to this thing of ours we call the Financial Physician Radio Program. We're... We talk about what's going on in financial markets. We talk about what's going on in government. We talk about what's going on with money. And we're talking about um, what I think is a very, very uh, dangerous time for the financial markets and the economy. And we were talking about interest rates and the importance of interest rates. And uh, the reason why the 10-year yield is so important is because mortgage rates are tied to it. And we know we've had a tepid uh, bounce in, uh, in real estate prices. And tepid is the word. I mean, it's not like everybody's running out there to buy a house. And that was with interest rates at record lows at three and a half on a 30 year fixed rate mortgage. And uh, that's jumped to four and a half as interest rates have gone up. And that's the way mortgage rates work. If you see the 10 year treasury yield going up, you're going to see the mortgage rates going up because they're tied to it. So the last thing the real estate market needs now is rising interest rates. And that's what we have now. So again, there's two things here. There's interest rates, their effect on the economy, and in turn, the stock market, corporate earnings. And then we mentioned uh, the more important issue, which is the interest rate derivative market, which these banks have uh, a total of uh, uh, $500 trillion worth of these interest rate swaps. And a big move in interest rate here can take down the banking system. Um, John Embry is a very wealthy, well-known, and very successful money manager um, up in Canada. Uh, and he was inter- uh, recently interviewed on uh, King World News. And, and he had a very dire forecast. And these are one of the people that I follow. These aren't these crazy nuts out there, you know, gloom and doom kind of guys. These are smart people. The um, John Embrys of the world. The um, the Jim Sinclairs, the Jim Rogers, the Peter Schiffs. These aren't idiots. These aren't people out there that just get a kick out of going out and saying things are bad and they're going to get worse. These, these are smart people and they're trying to help people. So this is part of the interview that um, John Embry gave uh, just recently. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, and he says, here, I guess I'm always unnerved as a result of what happened in April. The last time the President of the United States had a meeting with all of the bank heads. And two days later, the price of gold was, uh, was smashed for over $200. Now the President is meeting with all of the heads of the various agencies, institutions, the Fed, and all the other key money entities in the United States today. I mean, that was Monday. That was yesterday. So what's that all about? But clearly, if the president is having this meeting, there is a crisis unfolding somewhere in the background, and it could very well relate to the dollar, interest rates, and the massive derivatives market associated with interest rates. Now, he's talking about this meeting that the president uh, had yesterday. Uh, This from The Hill. Uh, President Obama on Monday will meet with financial regulators. Now, they're saying the reason why these meet with all these things uh, is to discuss the progress on the implementation of the Dodd-Frank reform bill. Now, that's the cover for the meeting. Representatives from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the Federal Housing Finance Agency, the Federal Reserve, the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, and the FDIC will be among those in attendance. 
The Treasury Department said that Secretary Jack Lew would also attend the closed press meeting. Okay, so uh, this is the, the cover for what's happening. It's supposedly happening because of um, the Frank Dodd bill and you know, how people are progressing uh, with that. That's not, that's not what's happening. Believe me, it's never as it seems. And, and John Embry believes that there is clearly uh, a crisis unfolding somewhere, and that's the reason why they're meeting. Rising interest rates are a killer in an over-levered economy, going back to Embry, and that's exactly what we've been seeing in the United States. This surge in interest rates may have already seriously destabilized the entire financial system, and that's why there's this meeting taking place in the White House today. The fact is that the vast majority of derivatives in the global financial system are related to interest rates, and that's what I was talking about before. Now, the entire financial system may be on the precipice of some sort of catastrophic event unfolding because of what we have already seen in the bond market and how the derivatives are so heavily intertwined, meaning we may be on the verge of another disastrous derivatives meltdown. We have an unbelievable amount of interest rate derivatives in the financial system, so the winners theoretically take the profits on them and the losers simply misprice them on their books. But as you get higher interest rates, it becomes even more destabilizing. I firmly believe the reason the president has called this meeting today is because if interest rates in the United States continue to rise, it could really unleash something disastrous. We are talking here about the possibility of a meltdown. It's interesting that the president will call in that many big hitters, the head of every significant financial agency in the United States, as well as the Fed and the controller of the currency. This is a very large meeting today. And again, it's not about Dodd-Frank. Trust me. I've always believed that the global financial crisis of 2008 was just the opener. We have now bought the better part of five years through unlimited money creation. That's quantitative easing. That's the Fed printing money and all that kind of stuff. But as we head into the next massive and what I believe will be larger round of destabilization, Central planners don't have the same weapons to fight this global financial crisis. This is why I believe they are desperately attempting right now, today in this meeting, to stave off this crisis. Embry also added, when you have a vastly over-leveraged economy, higher interest rates suck money out of the system, and you have to remember that the system is already struggling. So we may well be looking at something catastrophic unfolding right now. And as I said, this could be destabilizing to the entire financial system. So the mainstream media continues to go out and prop, you know, put out propaganda about a so-called economic recovery that's going on. Even the economists put out a piece essentially saying that the Western world economy recovering, recovery is going to be driven by the United States. If the U.S. is your strongest entity, and then you've got some really huge problems, he says. I believe that if inflation were correctly accounted for in the United States, instead of these bogus numbers they come out with, then a deflator in the nominal GDP would be materially higher. This means that real growth would be materially lower. And we've said this many times on this program that I don't trust any government statistics, especially the consumer price index or the producer price index. So he basically sees you know, oil prices going up. He sees interest rates climbing inexorably. And these are two major factors in determining the future of the economy. Interest rates rising and oil prices going up uh, will kill the consumer 
and, and, and basically knock the legs out from the economy and the markets. And when you look at the oil price, you know, we're looking at oil prices here at, uh, what, 100, 600, 7, whatever it is. And they're extremely high. We're seeing, what, 360, 370 regular uh, gallon gas at the pump. Uh, those are really high. And they're having an effect on the economy. But don't think they can't go higher. And as I mentioned earlier, the problems in the Middle East uh, could really unleash uh, a torrent of buying into the oil markets. And, you know, we know there's problems in Europe. We know that the European, um, the German finance minister came out yesterday and said that, that Greece is going to need a third bailout. So the idea that anything is getting better in Europe is preposterous. So uh, pretty dire warning from uh, John Ambert. You know, very smart guy. And he's not the only guy out there saying this stuff. That's why I'm telling people to get out of the market when you can. Had a client in my office today. Uh, had about $500,000 in different stocks. And they've had them their whole lives pretty much. And they collected dividends on Verizon. And you know they have some mutual funds and so forth. And I looked at him and I said, you know, you're coming to me right at the right time. That we are on the, the precipice of something really bad happening in the stock market. And now's the time to get liquid and to do something more conservative. And we spent the, the good portion uh, of the day today on the phone with different entities liquidating positions. Now, in our firm, we've managed money. We manage it conservatively. We're already positioning our clients into uh, a safe alternative to markets. And I think you need to do that yourself. Now, is there going to be a crash in the market? I think there is. I think the stock market's way overvalued given the things that we just talked about. I think there's some ugly surprises that are going to come out. In September, we have to deal with the possibility uh, that the Fed may start um, slowing their asset purchases and their money printing. I don't think it's going to happen in September, but there's always the risk of that. We have uh, the battle over the budget that we have to deal with in September and the debt ceiling. Remember what happened last time? Uh, we finally raised the debt ceiling after weeks of wrangling. Uh, S&P lowered our uh, credit rating. And I don't think it's going to be any easier this time around. And seasonally, September and October, the worst years for the mar- uh, worst months for the market. So, I mean, uh, if the risk is high, you've got to take action. In times of high risk, you lower exposure in any market. But I think we're, we, we've hit the, the, the situation where we have maximum risk of a major decline, and it, it could be right at our doorstep. And as I said before, the stock market's been down like 10 out of 11 days, including today, where it was down, I think, close to 100 points, as investors are starting to get out of the market. More disturbing news out of the economy, Gallup. Gallup is uh, outside of the, um, the federal government's Bureau of Labor Statistics. The Gallup polling organization also tracks the nation's unemployment rate, and they do that through a survey. Now, the BLS and Gallup, uh, their findings might not always perfectly align, uh, but the trends almost always do. And the small statistical differences really uh, haven't been worthy of note. Um, But now Gallup is showing a sizable 30-day jump in unemployment rate. Listen to this. In June... Their unemployment was 7.7%. 
on July 21st, uh, no, it was 7.7% on July 21st. Today, they're saying it's 8.9%. That's an, that's an 18-month high, an incredible 30-day jump. They're saying that unemployment went up 1.2% in one month. We haven't seen jumps like that ever. At the end of July, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, said that unemployment was 7.4% compared to Gallup's 7.8%. So Gallup's a little higher. But today, I mean, Gallup's at 8.9%. And that's pretty alarming. And Gallup's sample size is massive. It's not just a small amount. It's 30,000 adults. And, and, and the rolling average is taken over a full 30-day period. So this is a significant poll. Gallup is um, also showing an alarming increase in the number of underemployed, those with some work but are seeking more. During the 30-day period, that number jumped from 7.1% to 17.1% uh, to 17.9%. And we're going to see a lot more of that as Obamacare kicks in. And more and more companies start putting people on part-time work. And that's really, really uh, the real negative aspect of Obamacare right now. It's hitting people. People are losing hours and they're becoming part-time workers. And we'll talk about more about that after the break. You're listening to The Financial Physician. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zidle. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Looking for a business talk radio program that's unlike any other talk radio program you've heard before? It's time to check out Game On! Business Talk Radio with host Dr. D. Anthony Miles. Dr. Miles and his guests will tackle some of the unconventional and controversial issues and topics in the business world. We'll outline, discuss, and provide solutions to certain problems in marketing, business management, financial accounting, and policies. You and your business can't afford to miss a show. Tune in Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice. America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
On The Financial Physician, we don't just cover the good time financial news. We cover the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have a question for America's money doctor, Luce Katigna? Call him now at 1-866-472-5788. Or email the show. Here's the address. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Now, back to Lou. All right, welcome back. Lou Skatigna here. We get together each and every Wednesday, 4 p.m. on the East Coast and uh, 1 p.m. on the West Coast to talk about money, markets, and politics. And why politics? Boy, nothing affects our money more than politics. And, and Obamacare is a case in point. That's a political issue, obviously. Passed and rammed through Congress without a Republican vote, at least not in the Senate. And... Uh, here we are with the implementation of it, and uh, we're starting to learn things. And companies and individuals are taking actions, uh, as you would expect them to do, to preserve as much capital as they can. And I mentioned before the break that more and more people now are underemployed, meaning they're not working enough hours. And more and more companies now are planning to cut back on either benefits for their people or hours. It was just announced here where I live locally, a uh, local school district, Hamilton, New Jersey. Uh, they are now – they put a, a memo out to everybody starting this school year that all substitute teachers are only working four days a week so as not to be full-time employees. Now, that was uh, decided before the president decided to – delay the employer mandate that the employer pay for uh, health insurance or pay a fine that's being delayed from January 2014 to uh, 2015. But that didn't change the views of uh, the Hamilton Township School District uh, as far as uh, substitutes go. Uh, They're going on four days a week starting this year. And many other companies are doing that to get out of having to provide health care for these individuals. Now, Keep in mind that the, employer, the, the individual mandate is still there. They didn't delay that. So now these individuals that were expecting to get insurance from their employer because of the employer mandate, now because they don't have employer-paid insurance, they have to go out by law and buy insurance or face a penalty or as Chief Justice Roberts called it, a tax. This is disastrous and a train wreck in so many different ways. This just asked today, uh, UPS just announced it will stop offering health care coverages to spouses and explicitly cites Obamacare as the reason. UPS, big delivery, uh, United Parcel Service. United Parcel Service plans to remove thousands of spouses. I think the number is 15,000. From its medical plan because they are eligible for coverage elsewhere. Well, where would they be eligible for coverage elsewhere? Well, they say the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare is the alternative that they have. These exchanges. This decision comes as many analysts are downplaying Obamacare's effect on companies such as UPS. Noting that the move reflects a long-term trend of shrinking corporate medical benefits. But that's not what UPS says. UPS repeatedly cites Obamacare to explain the decision. Adding fuel to the debate of whether it erodes traditional employer coverage. And a lot of people think that's what this is all about. is to get to a single-payer system. 
Obama came out and said that uh, if you want to keep your insurance, you can. Not these people. They can't. The spouses of these employees can't. And now they have to go out. Obamacare requires employers to subsidize health insurance costs for employees, but not for dependent children, meaning the employee has to pay the full price for the kids, and they don't have to cover spouses at all, even spouses that don't have their own jobs. So under that scenario, employees with children and stay-at-home spouses are better off going into the exchanges and getting taxpayer-fueled subsidies to buy their own family insurance even though a mass migration to those exchanges will create an avalanche of unforeseen costs to Obamacare. And enough employees or workers are figuring this out. Can you imagine going to your boss, uh, coming in saying, don't offer me health insurance benefits? And you know, it's just really weird where for many people it would be more economical to have the employer not offer health insurance subsidies for them and their families and for the entire family to uh, buy insurance with government subsidies on the Obamacare state health insurance exchanges, which is exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want. And that's why delaying this employer mandate, while not delaying the individual mandate, puts us on the road to single payer, meaning the government. And that, that's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing where we're going with this. And more and more people, as they find out what's going on, are realizing what a disaster this is. Oh, by the way, the IRS is getting involved, as you heard. They're the ones who are enforcing this. But they want to exempt themselves from it, just like Congress exempted themselves from it. They're going to enforce it on you and me, but they don't want it for themselves. But, of course, you're going to have more paperwork and more filing stuff that you have to do with your accountant. You're going to have to file a new form that will require you to disclose uh, uh, your personal identifying health information in order to determine if you're in compliance with Obamacare, the individual mandate. Taxpayers will file their tax returns reporting their health insurance coverage and or make a payment for the penalty with your tax return. So why will... Um, Obama's IRS require your personal identifying health information? Simply put, there's no way for the IRS to enforce Obamacare's individual mandate without such an invasive reporting scheme. Every January, health insurance companies across America is going to send out tax documents to each insured individual. And this tax document, of course a copy will be furnished to the IRS, uh, must contain sufficient information for taxpayers to prove that they purchased qualifying health insurance under Obamacare. And this new information, this new tax information, I'm not sure if it's going to come out in January of this coming year, 2014, or it's going to be delayed to 2015. But this new uh, tax information document must at a minimum contain the name and health insurance identification number of the taxpayer, the name and tax identification number of the health insurance company, the number of months the taxpayer was covered by the insurance plan, and whether or not the plan was purchased in one of the Obamacare's exchanges. This will involve millions of new tax documents landing in the mailboxes across America every January, along with the usual W-2s, 1099s, 1098s. So you're going to have to file this information, private information, with the government. That's how they're going to find out whether or not you're in compliance or whether or not you should be fined.
60% of, uh, say, many uh, physicians will retire from medicine within the next three years. In the survey by a top research firm, six in ten physicians said it's likely many doctors will retire earlier than planned in the next one to three years. The same percentage say the practice of medicine is in jeopardy as medical experts lose control of their clinics in compensation with the implementation of Obamacare. The spokeswoman for the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, Dr. Jane Orient, was not surprised. Doctors already have started leaving the profession through early retirement. Among those who remain, some will seek alternatives to what they see coming in the federal government's takeover of health care. Quote, I think it's a disaster for patients, she said. They may lose the doctor they relied on all their lives. You believe that what's happening here? And everybody said it was going to happen. The doctors said it was going to happen. And sure enough, doctors are leaving their practices. Many doctors no longer want to take Medicare patients or Medicaid patients because they're not getting paid appropriately. Many doctors now are getting into the system and they're working in hospitals and clinics as opposed to having independent practices. So what's that going to mean for the ability to get qualified health care in a timely manner when 60% of doctors believe that many are going to retire in the next three years? That means longer waits, if you can get an appointment with a doctor. And this always happens in socialized medicine. Ask anybody who lives in a country with socialized medicine, whether they live in Canada, whether they live in Europe or England. You have to wait. I quoted a doctor's article, an article a doctor wrote a couple weeks ago. And they said, here's the 10 most important points that they tell their patients. Your private insurance premiums will cost more and more each year. Well, we know that. They're already starting to go up. My group insurance premiums got up 50% in two years since Obamacare was passed. But it was supposed to go down. That's what we were told. You will lose choices and flexibility in health insurance policies that we've had available up until now. As reimbursements continue to drop, fewer and fewer doctors will take Medicare or Medicaid. And that's already happening. Fewer doctors accepting Medicare and Medicaid causes an increase in wait times for appointments and a decrease in the numbers and types of specialists available on these plans. Consumers would be wise to line up with their doctors now. Studies from various organizations and states have consistently shown that Medicaid recipients have longer waits for medical care, fewer options for specialists, poorer medical outcomes, and die sooner after surgeries than people with no health insurance at all. Do you believe that? You're better off no health insurance at all than have Medicaid or Medicare. As more people enter taxpayer-funded plans, Medicare and Medicaid, instead of paying for private insurance, the cost to provide this increased medical care and medications will escalate, leading to higher taxes. And there's more and more and more stuff that are going to come with this. Bottom line, Obamacare is a disaster. It was forced upon us, and now people are learning what it really means, and it is a disaster. All right, one more segment left in the show. Uh, you're listening to The Financial Position right here on Voice America's business channel. My name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away.
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network there should be mandatory personal finance courses taught in both high school and college you're listening to the financial physician financial illiteracy is the number one reason the average american has little or no net worth. America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna, is here to help you now. Give him a call at 1-866-472-5788. That's toll free, 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to Lou. Right, today, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed down 108 points. Uh, it was down 121 point, And then uh, shortly after um, the announcement of the, the, the Federal Reserve's um, minutes of their last meeting, um, the market recovered all of its losses and actually briefly went positive. And then in the last uh, half hour or so, sold off uh, quite dramatically and closed down 108 points. And we're under 15,000 again at 14,800 and change. So uh, we're down 11, uh, 10 out of 11 days, I believe, uh, in the stock market. We haven't seen that in a real long time. And again, the reason is we're seeing interest rates go up in the bond market. There's lots of concern that the Fed may taper and slow down their money printing and bond buying. And if they do that, well, it's Armageddon. So I don't think it's really going to happen. But the fears of that uh, is affecting the markets. And uh, yesterday was a meeting of all the major financial people in the country. I mean, every regulator, the Fed, the FDIC, uh, it was under the guise of, uh, let's see how, you know, Frank Dodd, uh, Dodd-Frank, the new financial law is being implemented. But I got a feeling there's something really big 
bigger than that going on uh, behind the scenes. And uh, I think it's going to end very, very badly. And I've said for weeks on this program, get out of the stock market, prepare yourself, uh, uh, go into a safety mode. If you don't have any gold in your life, you may want to consider getting some. Uh, that uh, the second act uh, in the financial crisis that started in 2007, eight, uh, is now going to act itself out. And because we didn't take our medicine uh, when we should have back in 2008 and not printed money and bailed out all the banks and the, the car companies and everything. I think if we if we didn't do any of that, that we would have saw uh, – we would have went into a depression, a really severe economic collapse, and we'd be crawling out of it by now. But no, what we did is we continued to print money. We continued to borrow money as a country. We bailed out the too-big-to-fail banks, and now they're bigger than they ever were. Uh, now we can't bail them out. And the template now is bail-in, just like what happened in Cyprus. Don't have a lot of money in the stock market and don't have a lot of money in the bank. And if you can, I'm advising people use community banks or credit unions. Any bank that was bailed out in 2008 should not have your money. And that includes all the big ones. Citigroup, J.C. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. I mean all of them. They've all been bailed out. And if you have money in an annuity in an insurance company, you're just as at risk. A number of major insurance companies were very close to going under in 2008 and took bailout money. And one of the biggest ones was the Hartford. And don't think just because you have money in an insurance company that you're not at risk. You are. You're at risk in the stock market. You're at risk in insurance companies and you're at risk if you have a major amount of money in banks. And don't think it can't happen. It's happened already. It's happened in Cyprus. That was the template. The FDIC and the Bank of England have already laid out the bail-in procedures here in the United States and Europe. No more will uh, the taxpayer bail out the banking system. Now it's the depositors. And you say, well, sure, I have 250000 in uh, FDIC insurance. You really think FDIC insurance will be there for you if we have a systemic banking crisis? The FDIC has $35 billion, backing up $7 trillion in deposits. And when one bank goes, they all go. Keep minimal amounts of money in the bank and keep minimal amounts, if any, in the stock market. At least for the next six months until things clarify because I think we're going to know. Over the next six months, where we stand here with this next leg of the crisis, whether or not it's going to come or not. And I believe it's starting now. I think these uh, 10 out of 11 days down in the stock market, the rising uh, interest rates in the bond market, uh, the negative stock performance in Asia, namely Japan and Indonesia and India, the rising price of gold, which we're starting to see uh, go up. All these things are indicative of a major crisis coming. Now, I said don't trust any numbers that come out of the government. Don't trust any numbers of the government. They lie about everything, whether it's the CPI, it's the, the GDP, unemployment rate. Nobody in the mainstream media calls it on it, especially on CNBC. But Rick Santelli is the one guy in the mainstream media. He works in CNBC. He actually 
works in the pits in Chicago, but he talks about the bond market and everything else. And Steve Leisman is the the in-house economist for CNBC, and he is just a toady of the government, and and, and him and uh, Rick go back and forth on it. And last week, they had an incredible exchange where they were talking about the government fudging uh, numbers like CPI, and here's, here's a, a, an excerpt of that. Other than twist, they pretty much on QE, on different quantitative issues, they have generally eased it down. They don't want to create what they call a cliff effect. So what do you guys say? Three-card Monty, I agree with our guests. If they can't figure out a way to continue the sugar buzz one way, they're going to look at these PPI numbers and the CPI numbers, and they're going to make a case that the old boogeyman of disinflation's in the closet. One way or the other, they're most likely going to try to cling on as long as they can. Rick, I'm still waiting for you to send me your suicide. numbers, Rick. I'm still waiting I'll, for I'll your inflation well, next time. Well, here's the thing. Because you have better numbers than the government. No, no, I don't have better well, you numbers than the government. about them skeptically and say the government's version of inflation, but you don't have any other numbers. And oh, give me a break, Steve. No, you give me, me a break. break. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Everybody watching this, all you viewers and listeners out there, I want you to send your emails and tweets to Squawk Box to answer the following question. In your lives, is this inflation as low as the government wants you to believe? That's it. Send them in. And I hope it's like Mr. Smith goes to Washington <laughs> and you're dumping 50 bags of mail on the Squawk Box so, desk in so, the morning. So, Rick, the market is so inefficient. That if there is Listen, not, I don't believe the government's calculations. There, because you have better numbers. Because you have better numbers, Rick. When you're looking oh, no, for, I don't have better uh, numbers. I have common sense. I don't like substitution. If I like my Big Mac, I'm not going to substitute Dairy Queen for it. If I want to buy a car, because I don't want because you're dumb, worth the Because you'll buy they the more expensive the one, even if there's a substitute. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. I'll Rick. give me a break. You know, it that, sounds really great. Between real life and the Government. No good. It sounds Six really years great. after the crisis, and but you're you still making excuses better. for them to buy government securities. Yeah, right. It's oh a God, huge it's conspiracy. Rick. And when it's not that, it's, it's going to be leap year. Maybe right. leap year I means mean, we don't buy. Food numbers, stop Rick. buying. How much are they as a percentage of the total basket Let's see of what the emails say. Let's see what the yeah, tweets say. that's the way say. they should make policy, based on emails. Good work, Rick. Oh, wait a minute. But when you ask economists what they think about the no. government, those surveys you think are policy. No, what I think, Rick, is people making decisions based on data, not based on you know emails. What? First and of you, all, I have first of all, why are a bunch now. of government professors years. making, years making any type of inroads into trillions of dollars? Give it to me. You give me this populist hooey stuff of sending emails, populist hooey, populist hooey, and Rick, you sit there and you. look at me and try to tell me, oh my goodness, let's see, we can't taper because oh, there's not enough numbers, there's not enough okay. data. It hasn't been Rick, ten Rick, years I yet. Change my mind if you give me the data showing me broad-based inflation in the economy. Don't send me food. Don't send me energy. I will factor that in as okay, a percentage of a total basket. I don't send you food and energy, that's how then we pretty much the amount of ruler I have left is about as big as the brains of people making these decisions. That, that's Steve Lees. Uh, that's uh, Rick Santelli and Steve Lees. But I love Rick Santelli. He tells it like it is, uh, and it's true. The government fudges basically all the numbers, and we know it. All right, we're out of time. It goes so fast here on the Financial Position. I call it the fastest hour in financial talk radio. Remember the website, thefinancialposition.com. Visit my blog, and remember my email is lou at thefinancialposition.com. Have a wonderful week, and please join me next week for the next edition of the Financial Position. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 